Hey, thanks for coming back for another episode of From Redemption to Consolation from Pesach to Shabbat. We're analyzing the elements of starting with the Exodus from Egypt and then progressing through a series of topics to sort of teach us about what it means to have a proper Jewish society such that if we can know how to build that society, we can sooner merit the full redemption, bimheira v'yamenu, sooner in our time. So we've spoken about what the Omer, the passage from the giving of the Omer to the sacrifice of the Shteh and from being able to use new grains in our personal lives and then in our Beit HaMikdash temple lives was about. We move from there to what a Jewish state or Jewish country looks like where you have a king, you have the necessity of wiping out Amalek, which we spoke about last time. Today's discussion is about the Mikdash. It's about the temple. So we started out with the Omer and the Shteh and moved from there. But we didn't stop there to pause and say, why is it that the Jewish people need to have a temple, need to have a Beit HaMikdash? And in today's podcast, I want to highlight three perspectives. And each of the three gives a different, it's really uh, three perspectives. Each of the three gives a different view and a different experience of the Beit HaMikdash. So really it's three. Our teacher, Rabbi Aaron Luxenstein, used to be fond of when he presented a series of ideas. He would say, you know, there's two views, one of which is mitpatzel splits into two. So the Rambam's view really splits into two because he says something in the Mori Nebuchim, in the Guide for the Perplexed, that I think is perhaps well known. But what he writes in the Mishneh Torah doesn't quite, it doesn't contradict it. But it doesn't fully fit either. And I think that it's worth uh, paying attention to that a little bit. So we'll see the Rambam and the Ramban, the Sefer HaKinuch. And then we will pause to figure out where that leaves us in terms of the role of the Beit HaMikdash. And just before I get into it, I will point out that one of the things that I've always found, not always, but since I've recognized it, found interesting about the Jewish view of constructing a government is that there is sort of embedded in the Torah and Halakha's understanding of the institution's of a Jewish country, a system of checks and balances, because you have the king as one source of power, Kim we already saw two times ago. We've spoken about the Torah Alpeh, which was guided and understood and developed by the rabbis, who are their highest form is the Sanhedrin, and the rabbi elsewhere talked about the Sanhedrin being the source of Torah for the Jewish people, and they are, not that we're enemies playing power politics, but they are a uh, separate source of authority than the king is. And we spoke about that the king, we didn't speak about it actually, the Rambam says, I didn't have time for it, the king is supposed to treat them with respect, even though the king, we are, we they owe awe to the king, he's supposed to treat them with respect anyway. The Beit HaMikdash is really another locus of authority, because the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, has a, sort of a, a status there. That's why there's a special korban if he makes an error on about things that he gave uh, rulings on in the Beit HaMikdash itself. So you have another. So what is it? What is this place that Hashem told us to set up? What's its goal? What's its purpose? What's its value? So let's look in and see. And I guess I sort of took a little time with the introduction because it gives you a chance to be thinking about what you think the answer might be. If we look at the Ramam Sefer Amitzavot, if we look at the Ramam's Book of the Commandments in Commandment number 20, he says that Hashem commanded us to build, and he calls it, now I'm reading a Hebrew translation of the Sefer HaMitzvot, which was written in Arabic, but let's assume the translation is reasonably good. He writes, Beit Avodah. Now we call it a Beit HaMikdash. Beit HaMikdash really talks about Kedushah, about sanctity, whatever that word means. Beit Avodah 
sounds much more like that I was going to support that uh, reading of him, so that's why I'm saying it, sounds much more like it's a place to offer korbanot, to offer sacrifices. So he says, Bo it's a place where you have offerings, the havarata ish tamid, and fire burning there always, ve'ilav and there is where people will go, and they pilgrimage is there, and you gather there every year, right? But who I'm wrong, and that's why the Torah says, Vasul Mikdash, you have to make a Mikdash for Hashem. And he says, I've already explained it. So that's, if you only read that, it sounds like the Rambam is focused on the Beit Mikdash, on the temple, as a place for sacrifice. Now, there's already some weaknesses in that because he talks about a place where we have a fire burning always. It's not clear that fire burning always is to make sure that we can offer sacrifices. To offer sacrifices, you don't need to buy a fire burning always. In addition, the idea of regular pilgrimages. So you could say, well, the regular pilgrimages are so that people will offer sacrifices. That would be true if you value sacrifice as an end of its own. You'd say, here's the place because people are supposed to come because they're supposed to offer sacrifices. There may have thought that, but it's not quite the whole story. First, we'll, in a minute, get to the Beit HaBechirah. I'm sorry, to get to the Mishnah Torah. But I want to point out, because I think it's the most famous thing about the Ramam's thoughts about the Beit HaMikdash, that in the end of the Morin Nebuchim, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because any two people who read the Morin Nebuchim will read it according to what they want it to mean. So I have things that I want it to mean. What the Ramam actually meant is buried in in the esotericism with which he wrote. The Ramam made sure to write them in Nebuchim, or he didn't make sure. He tried to write them in Nebuchim in a way, the guide for the reflection in a way, that you would only get his real meaning if you were ready for it. But of course, everybody thinks that they're getting the real meaning and they're ready for it. So me too, but I have no, I have no, uh, I have no certainty that that's true. The Ramam gives the impression, the Morna Vuchim, that the reason for Rebbe Mikdash was the people were so involved in idolatry that you couldn't just wean them from it by saying, stop doing that, stop offering sacrifices to your idols. So God set aside a thing called for for sacrifices in a way that would be God's service, and God minimized it by making it only one place in the world, and that's what the Beit HaMikdash was for. I don't know that we have to read the Morning Bukhim that way alone, but that's what he says there, that's what people think. The Sefer vote would give room to read it that way, although there are holes. So in the Mishnah Torah itself is where I think the holes open up more. The Rabbin says, he does say that it's a mitzvah, he introduces it in the Mishnah Torah, he introduces it as a mitzvah to build a house to Hashem, a place where it's ready for offering sacrifices. But then he mentioned you come there three times a year. Now, were it really true? I have other things in the Mishnah Torah that make me think the Rambam didn't really mean it only. My teacher, from, my teacher Professor Yitzchak, or Isidore Tversky, uh, once commented that it's not clear that the Rambam at the end of the Morin of Uchim was offering the reasons for mitzvot, or he's offering an accessible reason for mitzvot. Those are very different things. Not our topic today. But the question would be, when the Ramah says that he thinks it's helping people, weaning people from sacrifices, if that's really what he meant, then it's odd that the Torah would require people to go there three times a year. He goes on and he says, once the Bibi Dash was built, so this also supports the uh, sacrifice weaning element, he says it became, it became prohibited to offer sacrifices anywhere else in the world, right? So, and then he says, and there's the, the house that Shlomo built. Then in the second Beit HaMikdash, they built a house that somewhat reflected what is predicted in the book of Yechezkel and somewhat 
mimicked or continued Shlomo's bite. So the Ram was pointing out that when the Torah, that the Torah talks about how you build a Mishkan, in Melachim we see how Shlomo built the Beit HaMikdash, which is not the exact same thing as the Mishkan. It's got the same proportions, but different numbers attached to it. And if you look in Yechezkel, there's a vision, at the end of Yechezkel, there's a vision of a future temple, which the second Beit HaMikdash did not completely fulfill. So you're going to have the future one will completely fulfill Yechezkel, is what the Ramam seems to mean in chapter 1, Halacha 4. Again, remember that if the Rambam really felt that the whole point of the Beit HaMikdash was to wean us from idolatry, it's an odd thing that there's a prediction out there of a future Beit HaMikdash, and it's also odd the Rambam would choose to focus on it. Topic for another time. In Halacha Hay, the Rambam then tells us what's essential to the building of the Beit HaMikdash. Essential to the building of the Beit HaMikdash is the Kodesh, that's the first room of the Beit HaMikdash. And the Kodesh Kodeshim is the inner room of the Beit HaMikdash, right? And, and in front of the Kodesh, in front of the first room, is an ulam. Is a, is a, it's an introductory, like a foyer, a hallway. It's wider than the rest of the structure, but it's this open area. And the Rambam says, and these three things are called the Heichal, the sanctuary. And you make a wall around the building. Now, the wall around the building is not right up on the building. It's pretty may has a lot of room around that wall and he says and that's similar to what you have in the mishkan and anything within those walls is part of what's called the chatzar oel moed and it right in the torah and we call it the azara and that whole structure is called the mikdash i think it's worth pointing out that when it comes to animal sacrifice for sure but really general sacrifice it doesn't happen in the heichal it doesn't happen mostly in that room. There are a couple of sacrifices, and there are a few times, there's Yom Kippur service for sure, and there are other times when it's possible that we will offer the blood of an altar, of a sacrifice, inside, either even in the Kodesh Kodesh of Yom Kippur, even in the Holy of Holies, and and other sacrifices in the, in the, in the first room, the Kodesh. But really what happens in the Kodesh is you have incense offered there, which is not animal sacrifice, and you have candles being lit there to have light in there, right? And you have the lechem upon him, you have the bread there. Now you could say, no, that's exactly what's going on. It's teaching us not to have animal sacrifice. I would just point out that that's the whole point of it. It's put the animal sacrifice somewhere else, but why do you have to have that whole structure whatsoever? Topic for another time. But that's what, that's, these are indications, I think, that the Rambam too sees something that Sefer Kinochose more explicitly sees a role for the service of God beyond or aside from sacrifice in the Beit HaMikdash. Because then he says also, and this is in chapter 7 now, of the laws of Beit HaMikdash, the select house. And notice that while I pointed out to you that in the Sefer HaMitzvot, the Rabbim called it a Beit Avodah, or at least that was the Hebrew translation of the Arabic. When he chose to write the book about it, he calls it Beit HaBechirah, the selected house, which doesn't focus on sacrifices at all. And in chapter 7 he tells us, Mitzvah is an obligation in the Torah to have awe or fear of the Beit HaMikdash. Now remember we saw two weeks ago that there was a mitzvah in the Torah to have awe or fear of the king. We also have it for our parents as well. So why is there a value in having that? Meaning if I tell you there's a place you're going to offer sacrifices, even if that place you're going to serve God, what's the need, what's the importance, what's the value of having awe of the Mikdash? He says, but it's not the Mikdash itself. The awe, the fear is for the God who commanded it. 
And then he says, in what is the, how do we express this fear? Now, I would have said maybe fear is an internal emotion, right? Or is an emotion. He says, no. He says, it's got, it's got practical experience of it. I just, just saw there's a yeshiva, a small group called Yeshivat Harhabayin. And they go up to Harhabayin every morning, I think. They have a chakras and they have some shiurim up there. I don't know exactly where. And then they have mincha. And then I think they leave. So they too talk about these halachos of year of the mikdash. You can't go up to Harabayat with your staff, with your shoes, regular shoes, with your money belt, with dirt. You have to go up in a sense of awe. You're entering a, an awesome place, right? And uh, and you can't spit up there, he says. He says you don't have to say it, although he obviously felt the need to say it. Um, and when you leave, you don't leave backwards. You walk out. All this part of Yirat HaMikdash. And you can't be lightheaded. You can't have joking around in there. You have to, the whole time you're there, be aware of where you are. So Alpha Pisha Mikdash Yim Kharebi says, and by the way, even though the Mikdash is is desolate, is destroyed in our times, the obligation of Mora is still there. And you can't go in to the various places because there's still an obligation of Mora. That's the Ram's presentation in the Mishnah Torah. And I think it sort of points in a direction that we'll see more fully expressed in the Sefer Achinoch. And to me, the fact that the Sefer Achinoch says it supports the idea that he thought the Rambam said it. Because by and large, the Sefer Achinoch follows the Rambam in his presentations in the Sefer Achinoch about the reasons for mitzvot. So I think you have the suggestion here in Mishnah Torah, and then you have to wonder why in Mordevuchim you didn't say it. And I think the answer would be that Mordevuchim is addressing a different audience, who's presenting a different set of ideas. But here he seems to at least imply that part of that, uh, that a more overall role of the Beit HaMikdash is as a place for service of God in general, right? You've got the lighting of the menorah, you've got the structure of the Beit HaMikdash, the structure of the Heichal, which doesn't play a significant role in sacrifices, and you have the emotional experience it has. So a couple of weeks ago, I suggested that when it came to the king, the point of the mora of the king, the point of the awe that was required to have for a king was that part of what the value of king was for people to understand that they're not in control and to remind them there's somebody above them, right? And there's somebody at the top and they have to always have that in mind whenever they experience the king. So here, I don't think it's about the king, it's about the Benjamin Dash. I think it's that it's a place that's supposed to remind us and keep us in mind of the one who commanded us to build this place. The Ramam in Mishnah Torah uh, expresses that element of it to a greater extent than we see in the Mori Nebuchim. So that's one view of the Beit HaMikdash. We wanted to have a place, and the point of the place is that it reminds us, it puts us in the proper frame, uh, mind, mindset, the proper frame of mind to uh, approach Hashem the right way and to, and to focus our thoughts on Hashem. The Ramban, unsurprisingly, has a different view and a more metaphysical view of it. So the Ramban says, and he's talking about the building of the Mishkan itself, even in the desert. He says that when Hashem spoke with the Jews at Sinai, and remember we say that at Sinai we saw God face to face, as it were, and Hashem announced the Aserah he wrote, right? And then Hashem told us some of the mitzvot, and the Rambam, I'm sorry, the Ramban says something here that I think is worth knowing about the Aserah he wrote. It's not really our topic about the Benyamin Dash. He says that they're like Avot la Torah. They're like like category headings for the Torah, right? So, and then he says, Kasherin Higu Rabotenu Magerim, meaning it's like Hashem was giving the Jewish people sort of an introduction to Torah the way we do when people want to convert. 
the, the halacha doesn't require that a convert already know all of Torah and mitzvos before converting. The halacha requires that when the beitin, when the court converts the convert, they tell him or her some of the major categories, some important categories, some minor categories, but they give them an introduction to it. So the Ramban thinks that Hashem did with us at Har Sinai. Okay, so we agreed to do whatever we're going to do, right? We made a covenant with Hashem. We agreed to be God's nation going forward, right? God's going to be our God, and we're sanctified through that. So it's worthwhile, the Ramban says, to have a mikdash lehashrot shchinato, to have God's presence in some meaningful, although hard to define way, because it's not a physical presence, it's a metaphysical presence, but in some meaningful way that God's presence is more there. Velachen, I'm back in the Ramban, reading the Ramban's words. Velachen mishkan. That's why so soon after uh, the Torah is commanded. God gives us the requirement of building a Mishkan and where God will speak to Moshe and command the Jewish people. He says the essential desire in a Mishkan is to have a place of God's presence. And then he says, Shehu Aron, which is the Aron. Now notice the Rambam's picture the Rambam presents. Now the Rambam knows that the inner room of the Beit HaMikdash is called the Kodesh Kodesh, called the Sanctity of Sanctities. And the Rambam knows as well as we do that yeah that the only time you brought things in there was on Yom Kippur. But other than that, the room just stayed there. But the Rambam doesn't highlight any of that as far as I know. Whereas the Ramban is saying, well, but if that's the Kodesh Kodashim and you have the Aron there, what's the main role of the Aron in the Jewish people? The Aron contains the Luchot, right? And that's where God says to Moshe, I'll appear to you. Meaning if it's all about Korbanot, you can imagine God would say to Moshe, I'll appear to you, we offer the Korbanot. He says, no, I'm going to appear to you on the on top of the of the Aron, right? So, and that's where it's going to be. So the Ramban seems to be saying that it's about, and I've heard people say this before, it's not my idea, that the Ramban is reading it as being about Torah, because the Aron can, contains the Torah, and through Torah, or through the knowledge of Torah, which God gave to us, we have a connection to God, and God is setting up a place to have that connection. He says, the Sodom Mishkan, he says the secret of the Mishkan is, and the Mishkan eventually becomes the Beit Hamikdash. That the presence of God that was there at Sinai will be in the Beit Hamikdash, although hidden, right? And then, and he points out the Torah makes a point saying that Kvod Hashem is Malayat Hamishkan, that the the honor of God fills the Mishkan. And when he says, the Ramban, here at least, thinks, says that Moshe would experience the level of prophecy and the and the commanding voice of Sinai, for Moshe didn't stop at Sinai. Moshe would hear it the same way in the Mishkan. So I think what you have for the Ramban, and it's not the same thing at all, I think what you have for the Ramban is the Ramban says that and there are people today who like to talk about the continuing revelation from Sinai, but they mean it in a way that's not, uh, I don't think fits with tradition so well. They mean it like as if that what was done in Har Sinai wasn't unique and could be adjusted and altered and levels of prophecy could be the same. I don't think Ramban means that. I think the Ramban means that, it, that Hashem didn't want the Sinai experience to stop in terms of connection, not in terms of commandment, not in terms of the of malleability of Torah, but in terms of connection to God. 
And it was supposed to be that when a Jew came three times a year, the goal wasn't only the Jew. The Sefer Chinah is going to focus on the Jew, and the Ramam seems to focus on the Jew. But the Ramban is focusing not just on the Jew and just the Jew's experience, but on a real metaphysical reality. You know, there's this old story that's just rolling around in my head, and I have this idea that when your ideas rolling around, you're maybe worth sharing them, that uh, somebody managed to get to visit, I forget who the names were, I think at the time they were the Russian premier and the American president, and then I think it was Menachem Begin, maybe. And so he goes to the Russian premier and he goes to the office and there's this phone on, on, the, on, on the desk and, and the Russian premier, he says, what's that phone? He says, that's my direct line to God. He says, cool, can I use it? He says, well, it costs you blah, blah, blah. He pays a lot of money, you know, 5,000 rubles, and he has a brief conversation with God, whatever it is. He goes to the White House, the Oval Office, he meets the American president. I forget who the joke was at the time, but maybe it was Carter. This is when I was a child. So, so and he has the same conversation. There's a phone, direct line to God, but it costs $1,000. He pays $1,000, it's a conversation with God. He goes into Begin's office, and there's a phone, direct line to God. And he says, oh, can I use this? Sure, it's a quarter. He says, a quarter? He says, yeah, here it's a local call. I think the Ramban means something like that, not in a joking way at all, but I think the Ramban means something like that. He means that Hashem wanted it to be. Now, the metaphysics is always hard because I don't know what it means to have God closer or less close. I don't know what it means that God's presence is more invested in a place. I just know that we say that. When I'm going to ask, I don't know what it means. I mean that how that expresses itself, I don't know. But what the Ramban means is that if I went to the Beta Mikdash, I would actually have a different, I would be differently connected to and differently in the presence of God than I am, you know, sitting where I am right now. And there's nowhere in the world that you can do it right now in the same way because we've lost the Beit HaMikdash. So for the Ramban, the point of the Beit HaMikdash is that the Jewish people, who are the people, uh, you know, servants of God, and the people who declare God's oneness in the world and all of that, there was supposed to be a regular venue or an outlet and a venue for them, even the non-prophets among them, to experience God in a deeper and more... Uh, and, and more connected way. That's the Ramban's view of the Beit HaMikdash. Moving on to the Sefer HaKinuch, so he says what I think the Ramban might have been trying to get at. He says, there's a lot, first off, when he talks about the mitzvah, the Beda, when he talks about the mitzvah, the Beit HaMikdash, the Beit HaMikdash, Sefer HaKinuch pauses for a long apology to express the fact that he does not think to himself, he does not, he's not arrogant enough to think that he can tell us all the exact reasons of the Torah and certainly not something like the Beit HaMikdash. So he's not here to pretend that he's able to do that. Nonetheless, he's going to offer, so he says there's 70 faces to Torah, there's lots of things you can say, and I think it's because he's going to ignore the Ramban, for example. He's not going to have that metaphysical element, and I don't think that I really know what I'm doing on, but nonetheless, I'm going to suggest an idea. And it's based on what I've learned from my teachers, and that's what I'm going to try to do. So he says... That the binyana by it, he says, he suggests, it's for people. It's to prepare people better for the service of God. Because, and he says this many times, it's one of his main theories of mitzvot, because we're shaped by our, we're shaped by our physical actions. People, all of us. Are shaped by our physical actions. So if somebody, you know, robs a bank 10 times, he's he's a different person. He can't say, I'm the same exact guy I used to be. I just happened to have robbed a bank 10 times. So if you're going to say no, or the other way around, somebody learns Torah 10 times, they might unfortunately backslide. But actions of mitzvah shape us and change us and change who we are. So here too, when it comes to wanting to have a relationship with God and being, and being close to God, 
that will be affected by our actions. And therefore, Hashem said, build a place. Make that place tahor. Now, in Ramban and Sefer, not Ramban on, not Ramban on this topic, but I've seen it elsewhere in the Ramban, and the Sefer Kinoch is a generation after Ramban. It's not quite known who the Sefer Kinoch was. The real thing was a man named the Ra'ah, Rav Aaron Alevi of Barcelona, I think it was the older brother of Pinchas. Whoever it was, was the generation after Ramban. So they agree that there's some connection between Tahara, ritual purity, and cleanliness. Exactly what? Another time. But this place, by making it Tahar, by insisting it be Tahar, will also be perfectly clean. Meaning if Tahar is about, let's say, not having dead rodents, especially in a time when you had, you know, less, uh, I think you had less sanitation than we have today. So you couldn't have any dead rodents because they are bearers of Tuma, right? You couldn't have things coming out of people's bodies that are, that are render people certainly ritually impure, but also just not as physically clean as other things. So there's going to be lots of cleanliness there. And the cleanliness, he thinks, and the insistent on it, will be let Tahir will let people and, and push people to focus their thoughts better and to turn their thoughts solely towards Hashem. Because imagine this, pretty much anybody who wants to go to the Beit HaMikdash is going to need a week's advance notice because they're going to have to make sure that they weren't ritually impure by virtue of usually pure by virtue of contact with somebody who passed away, right? To, to do that, you need to wash with paraduma water, right? And that has to happen on the third day after, or the seventh day, so it's at least, sorry, at least four days, right? Let's even imagine you walked to Yerushalayim, it took three days to travel, so you know you haven't had contact with ritual purity because you've been careful for those three days. You're going to need sprinkling day three and day seven. You're going to just going to have to happen that way. So all of that preparation, the Savior Kedosh says, will focus us better. Similarly, the fact that there are Kohanim there, and their whole job is to serve there, right? They're set aside for that, right? So that's going to be another push for us to be in a different frame of mind when we get there. So by putting us in the frame of mind, by setting up a framework, by doing all these things, he thinks that's what's going to happen for, that's going to help us be able to change ourselves and change our mindset when we get there. So that's the main view. Now, it comes up also because he talks about why it had to be that particular place in Yerushalayim. One suggestion is it doesn't matter really what place it is. It was just a place to have all these things happen. And then he suggests that, no, maybe God set it up from the beginning of, of humanity. Now, that's already, I think, a hint towards the Ramban's idea that there's something metaphysically vital about the Beit HaMikdash. It's not only about the fact that Hashem told us to set up in a certain way. So you end up with at least three perspectives here, or maybe four or, or three, and one of which splits into another. You have the Rambam thinking that the Beit HaMikdash is about weaning people from sacrifice, but indicated there might be more things as well. And for the Sefer HaKinoch, along those lines, it's about having a place that, that forces us to focus in a different way and therefore gives us the best opportunity to absorb the important message we were. Now, for that, the Sefer Kinnuk elsewhere talks about, let's say, there's a the mitzvah of Maser Sheni. Four out of every seven years, the Jew would have a second tithe that he or she was supposed to bring to Yerushalayim and eat there. Now, they'd have to bring it every year. They could bring it every once in a while. But the Sefer Kinnuk thought that that was a way to produce regular attendance in the Beit HaMikdash and in Yerushalayim, where Torah was found. Same thing with Ali Al-Regal. Three times a year, the Jew was supposed to go for a Chag, for a holiday, to Jerusalem, but the Savior Kinnuk, that's all about this same idea. It's about finding ways to bring people to a fuller realization 
of Hashem and what Hashem wants and who Hashem is and all of those things. So that's one set of reasons you'd have Beit Mikdash. You'd have a and, and and it would be about the fact that people don't learn lessons unless they're put unless they're shaken out of their usual environment. We shake them out of the usual environment, then and we say you got a lot of preparation for this, and the whole time you're there, you got to focus only on this. That's where there's a better chance. Now, unfortunately, the history of the lost two Bate Mikdash shows us that even there it's possible to lose the benefit of the place, but that's their suggestion. For the Ramban, I don't know if the Ramban has to disagree with any of that. I think the Ramban would only add that he thinks there's a metaphysical element here as well. That for the Ramban, the Jewish people, the people who encountered God at Harsinai, Hashem never wanted that encounter to fully end, at least in terms of the experience of closeness. It couldn't be as the same way because life has to go on. So instead, Hashem ensconced the presence in the Kodesh Kodeshim, in the Holy of Holy, where the Arom was, where the Ark of the Covenant was. And from there, it sort of spread out. When the Jew came to the Beit HaMikdash for the Rabbad, the Jew had an opportunity to experience Hashem more closely and more intimately. Rabbi Salavich used to talk about the fact that when the Torah talks about Lifne Hashem, it always means coming to the Beit HaMikdash. And the Ramban takes that more literally than the Rambam and the Sefer HaKinuch take it. The Ramban takes Lifne Hashem is because there is a meaningfully different presence of God there that's about God, not just about us, but that we can therefore benefit from. So as we are going to move on next time to... Uh, to other elements of this ideal Jewish polity, the Navi, the Aron, the Urim Vitumim, we stop here with the Beit HaMikdash and the recognition that the Jewish polity has a king, for the reasons we've spoken about, has to get rid of Amalek either by killing them or by having them recognize what they did wrong and either partially convert, either becoming B'nai Noach or fully converting, but getting rid of them from the world as a movement that denies God. And now we have the Beit HaMikdash as a place for us to come and to be better about experiencing God and making sure that we have God in our lives, either metaphysically for Amban or just by virtue of the practice we'll do there that will get us to do all those things. So we're on the road to figuring out what this Jewish nation is about and what it's producing. Next time we'll do that. And this will be a, another key piece of theoretically helping us understand better what we can do and what we should be working on in terms of making sure that we get to the constellation of the full restoration of a Jewish nation uh, speedily in our days. So we'll see you next week for a discussion of prophets and the Aron Kodesh and the Orm Vitumim and what they do for us and what, they were, what their role was supposed to be in a fully-fledged Jewish nation. Thanks for joining us. This has been from Redemption to Consolation, Pesach Shabbat, and we'll see you, I hope, next week. Be well.